Please, please, please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. We are looking at the first 13 verses. Ephesians chapter 3, a section that I entitled, Mystery Revealed, Mystery Revealed. Prisoner of the mystery, the plan of the mystery, the preaching of the mystery, purpose of the mystery, and of course, the privilege of the mystery. Beginning at verse 1, chapter 3. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which is given to me for you, that by revelation... There was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as is now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit, to be specific that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body, fellow partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I have made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which is given to me according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ, And to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God, whom created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This is in accordance to the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart in my tribulation on your behalf, for they are your glory. Thank you, my King, for my brother Paul. And Father, his faithfulness, to your leading, his faithfulness, to your passion, and Father, his passion to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Father, as we move through this text, I pray for us specifically, Castle Rock Baptist Church. Father, we understand the passion of the Apostle Paul, but we understand that the position that we as children of the Most High God have in your kingdom now, and that the Father, through that, we would be overwhelmed with the privilege to be called children of, uh, children of God. Thank you, my King. May you teach us. Please, in Christ's name, amen. We're looking at this mystery revealed, and we looked at verses 1 through 4, and we saw that the Apostle Paul was a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and the reason that he was a prisoner of Christ Jesus was for this Mystery. And that mystery, you need to understand, he's in jail right now in Rome. Okay? 
Because he's in jail, you know why he was arrested? For preaching that Jew and Gentile are one in Christ. There's no difference. In the past, most Jews believed a Gentile could be saved, but they had to become a Jew, which means that they had to take on the traditions and the ordinances of the Judaism. You will see it, especially in the book of Galatians, Judaizers. These are the people who are trying to blend blend Christianity with Judaism. All right? Paul says, now it's been revealed. I've shared with you several times. He starts out in verse 1, he wanted to pray for the hearers of this letter. But he stops. Because he wants to be specific about this mystery. He picks up the prayers in verse 14. Alright, so you have this in between that he gives you that what we're in right now is this mystery has been revealed. What is this mystery? Jew and Gentile are one in Christ. Alright? And if you really think about it in history, man's never thought that up. Nor has man had the ability to even... Probably the reason he never thought it up, he had no ability to make it happen. I mean, it, it just just go go look at it. So what we're doing now is that we have looked that Paul was in chains because of this divine truth that was revealed. All right? Now we're looking at the plan of the mystery. And we started into this. It's just two verses, but it's going to take a while because in verse 5 and 6, he lays it out for us. This is the mystery. And then he defines what a mystery is. Okay? And and we, we, we deal with this stuff because... I struggle with it more in the United States than I do when I travel internationally. In internationally, the collection of the saints, the gathering together, is the focus of their life. They have, there's nothing secondary. They work. Don't get me wrong. Some of them are being educated, you know, going to school or, or whatever they're doing. But their focus, it, 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 even like when I watched when I was in Orel, uh, kids were getting ready to go to college. And, and college in Russia is free. Okay? And, and, and they're all over the place. But you, depending on what you're wanting to get into, is where you would go to school. And one of the things that every kid that I talk to, the reason they're looking for a school is, is there a church? Okay, because they wanted to make sure that where they went, there was a church. Okay, now we got, I think we're at 56 churches in Castle Rock. Listen, I'm not talking about JWs. I'm not talking about the Catholics. I'm not talking about anything. I'm talking about evangelical churches in Castle Rock. You literally could go to a different church every Sunday for a year and still have some left. Okay? So, you don't see that in other places. But I've also seen once you do that, what happens is you water down the church. Have you ever seen a church that has the Lord's table every Sunday? Okay, I mean, it's every Sunday at a certain time. And I haven't, because I'm, I'm not... I have been in churches that do it 
you know, visiting. And, and they said, well, you know, we do this every Sunday. And you could tell that they do it every Sunday. You know how I could tell? People, do, it's, it's like putting in the offering plate. Well, here comes the plate. Here comes the cookie. Here comes the cup. Okay. And it, you know, when we're off and running. I don't care if that's, but I have noticed that once we do something repeatedly, 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 it loses its significance. I think that's what's happening to the church in the United States. You know, it's Sunday I'm supposed to be at church. Okay, you know, for 20 some odd years, I taught five times a week. Here, well, in downtown. I had a Monday night study, I had a Tuesday study with men. I had a Wednesday night study, I did a thing on Thursday nights. And, and there for a while we were doing a Saturday night service and a Sunday morning and Sunday night service. But Sunday night, we stopped that because everybody that came left. Well, almost. I don't look at me like that. But you see what I'm trying to get at? We, we get distracted. And listen, I agree. You know, one of the things that amazed me the first time I went to Russia is that everybody plays musical instruments. Everybody. I mean, I don't care if it was a babushka in her 90s or... A 10-year-old. The only person in that church of about 300 who couldn't play an instrument was me. And I thought, how in the world does everybody play? You know what I found out? If they wanted music, they had better play an instrument. They don't have a bunch of radios. They didn't have MP3 players. They didn't have DVD, CDs or whatever we're doing, cassette play. If you wanted music, you'd better learn and play. You look at us today. We just listen to it. If I don't, I'll turn it on the radio. I mean, everybody, what do you play? The radio? What do you play? I'm really good with it too sometimes. But see, the focus of the people was not distracted by the things of this world. We get distracted. And it, you know what? It doesn't take anything to do it. It doesn't take anything to do it. God is showing you and me right now through this letter to the church in Ephesus what he has revealed in the church. The mystery revealed. The body of Christ that every believer is a part of, whether they know it or not. Apostle Paul is sharing that. So this plan that we see, we started into it. He said in verse 5, In other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed. The word there, now, means not before or not after. It was now. They had no idea. Okay? We have given to you. We've explained it to you. He's already laid it out in chapter 2 just a little bit. Now he's firming up that teaching. And then in, in verse 14, he'll begin, I will pray. I will pray that you get this. I will pray that as this is a passion so passionate to me that I am willing to give my life for it, it will become a passion for you. It is now, it has been revealed. It has, it has never been known before. It is now known. Okay? Then he 
at the end of verse 5, he says, let me confirm it and solidify this thing for you. End of it. How are you going to do that, Paul? It was revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. Now then, holy apostles and prophets. Curious. I remember in the 80s, there was a rebirth of apostles. Then it faded away. Some of you may have heard of the apostolic church. That was the apostles. Guess what? Man is so smart. In 2018, he's going to try it again. All right? Let me not beat around the bush. You guys know how I like to try to hide what I'm actually feeling. Okay? Arnie and around. Okay? There isn't any more. There's no apostles around to receive anymore. Okay? Now, how can I say that? I thought you had never asked. Chapter 2, verse 20. We've already looked at this. All right? Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. The apostles and the prophets are what? Foundation. Okay, the church is a little over 2,000 years old. Are we over the foundation yet? Or do every thousand years you do another foundation? See what I'm trying to get at? That don't make sense to me. Why would I want to lay another foundation? They were the beginning. The foundation was laid. And guess what? We go on from there. I'm going to show you some interesting things. All right? Fascinating things. First and foremost, I did uh, used to build houses. And I was uh, into framing, exterior trim, siding, windows, and things like that. That's what I did. And it always used to gripe me because um, I did a bunch of work when they first did founders. I did a bunch of the models and everything in there. And I got burned uh, by a company that I shall not mention. And I uh, ended up getting about 10 cents on the dollar after a long wait. But anyway, one of the things that I walked away from that with was this simple thought. Bit of wisdom. If you're going to get into construction and you want your own construction company, you know what you need to do? Foundations. You know why? You get paid first. Okay? The builder has the money for the foundation. They may run out of money a little later on, but you'll get your money first. You've got to have your foundation. Remember, we looked at this. Who's the cornerstone? Jesus Christ and the apostles were the foundation. They worked off of the cornerstone. Now, you've got to remember these things because the apostle growth is growing again in Castle Rock. I ran into two this week. I was just so thrilled. Okay. God spoke a revelation through the apostles. We call it the doctrine of the apostles. Where did the apostles get their doctrine? Divine revelation 
Okay? The practical words of that doctrine for the life of the church comes from the prophets. But the prophets have to have whose foundation? Okay? You see in the New Testament a guy named Agabus. You also see Philip's daughters. Okay? In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you see, you can go through chapter 14. We went through this in detail a number of decades ago, it <laughs> seems like. Okay? That the prophets were a very unique people. All right? And they were gifted to unfold the mysteries by the Holy Spirit. It's like uh, today when I look at it, there's the gift of knowledge. And there's the gift of wisdom. Okay? Knowledge usually has the basis of linguistics into it. What syntax is, the original language, Aramaic, Hebrew, uh, Greek, whatever was being spoken at the time, and the nuances that follow it, and they dig in, and they find the meat and the potatoes. The prime rib. That's knowledge. But what I've learned is that there's a lot of those guys got knowledge that it just really, <laughs> you just got to sit there and go, wow, that's, that must be good because he was excited. But you got to have the guys with wisdom who can take the meat and potatoes and say, here's how they look when they're cooked and served well. They make it practical. Let me understand the knowledge that those people have. Okay, that's what a prophet did versus an apostle. All right. They both had the gifts of preaching. When you look at the word apostolon, the word we get apostle from, it means a sent messenger. If you look at prophetes, it means to speak forth. All right. Well, if you've got the doctrinal foundations, you probably ought to tell somebody. So it's obvious that the apostles could speak. All right. Now, listen, these gifts, preaching, prophecy. All right. Let's be realistic. They have existed a very, very, very long time. If I go back to the Septuagint, I can wander around all over the place. The Septuagint would be the Greek translation of the Old Testament. You go back to that, you will find this word. It's just all over the place. You know what it is? Apostolon. You know what that means? A sent messenger. A sent messenger. Been around a long time. Old Testament, New Testament. The verb means to send people. Okay, sent in the name of the Lord. Okay, now that's the general thrust of prophets and apostles. Okay, there has always been apostolos. There's always been prophetes. Okay, some people will try to say, well, that would be the preachers and the missionaries today. Well, I got news for you. A missionary had better know how to preach. Or he's just <laughs> traveling around on somebody's dime. <laughs> I mean, I hate to put it that way. But uh, 
That has always been there. You need to have doctrine and you need to speak forth that doctrine. Alright? But, that's not what we're looking at here. We are looking in an official sense. I look at this, these two words in this text as the office of the office of apostle, the office of prophet. Right? Very, very, very unique. Alright? He says here, his holy apostles. Okay, let me lay this out as quick as I can. There's 13 of them. Okay? No more, no less. 13 Apostles. They were set apart. They were called and sent by the resurrected Christ. Very important. Very important qualification. Okay. That's why I would say that is the capital A apostle. Okay. Here's a requirement for a capital A apostle. You have to be called by the resurrected Christ. Got it? All right. Now, I will give you a little footnote. There is a definite article, capital T, the, and it's capital apostle. He would be in the book of Hebrews. I'll let you go look it up on Memorial Day. But you have to understand, here he's referred to as the cornerstone. That would be the Lord Jesus Christ. So you have Jesus plus 13, what I call official. They were there. The definite article, capital apostle, was the cornerstone. And the 13 were those who laid the foundation by the writing of the New Testament. Okay. When the church came together in Acts chapter 2, they studied whose doctrine? The apostles' doctrine. Why? Because they were building off of the cornerstone. Remember, all of these guys were taught personally by the Lord Jesus Christ. Alright? They had uh, received direct Revelation. Alright, so you see the requirement? Taught personally by the person of Jesus Christ. Called and sent by the resurrected Christ. They had to be called, they had to be, you can use the word commissioned, whatever, uh, by Christ Jesus personally. Alright? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, remember when we were studying that? Paul makes this statement. Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Christ? So they have to see the resurrected Christ and they have to be called by Him and commissioned and put into action. Please understand, church only had 13 foundation guys. Alright? Acts chapter 1 we see the choosing of a replacement for Judas. 
Okay? They came together and they replaced Judas with Matthias. Alright? Matthias was one of the disciples. Matthias would have been in the upper room when Jesus showed up and said, Got any fish? Right? So he had seen it. Let me show you something else. In uh, 1 John, chapter 1, first four verses. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father, was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you, so also so that you too may have fellowship with us. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made Complete. Alright? John is telling you what an apostle does. He says, I am taking first-hand information and I am declaring it. This isn't generational. That is... That is the apostles... They are the primary giving of this revelation of what you and I call the church, this mystery. Let me give you another one. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. The signs of a true apostle. Okay. Were performed among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles. A true apostle. Now you got to understand, they're laying the foundation so they can't, you, you can't say, well, how do I know God sent you? Well, you line up with the New Testament, looks right. Well, they didn't have it at start. So how do I know that God sent you? Well, it was by signs and wonders and mighty deeds. They could do miracles. Listen, I'm talking miracles. We throw that word around a lot right now. And, you know, I had a headache and now the miracle is gone. No, they call that Advil. Okay, uh, you know, I, you know, I'm talking miracles. You know, my mother-in-law was dead and that fool raised her. <laughs> some of you got that, some of you didn't. But anyway, uh, but th- th- I'm talking miracles. Okay? I'm not talking about, oh, look, the sun's out. It's a miracle. No, I did that yesterday. Odds are it'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> okay? They did miracles. So I want you to remember, any time that you hear this, that when you speak of the capital A apostles, that is a very unique group. Not only is it unique because it's the aorist tense word now in the middle of verse 5. Guess what? It can't be repeated. We're not going to get Revelations part four. Okay. 
They have to be called by the resurrected Christ because it happened at that point and it is sealed. And that is the sealing of the scriptures. They finished their work. And the scripture shows us it was finishing if people are willing to read the thing. It's really amazing to me. Listen, do you realize after the Acts chapter 1, you see very little mention of the apostles. You'll see Peter mentioned. You'll see John mentioned because they're kind of hanging out while they were in Jerusalem. And you see Paul mentioned. What happened to Matthew? What happened to Philip? Where are the rest of them? Where's Andrew? I mean, golly, I get named in four books of the gospel, and then poof, gone. What happened to him? You don't see the gathering of the apostles again, or even mentioned, until in Acts 15. That is the last time the group meets. The apostles meet together in Jerusalem in Acts 15. But you know what's amazing about that meeting? You've got the apostles. Now you've got P or Paul has shown up because everybody's like, wait a minute, man. What do you mean he's an apostle to the Gentiles? All right. But he's an apostle to the Gentiles. He's there. He's got Barnabas there. Barnabas says, hey, man, I've watched it. It's working. It's, it's a big deal. Okay. Who leads the meeting? James. You know what's amazing about James? He's never called an apostle. Now, I mean, I am the Lord's half-brother. <laughs> that does put some spunk behind it. But I look at it from this perspective. He's the first pastor. And he leads the meeting. Find that fascinating? I find that fascinating. You've got 13 guys sitting there in front of you who have hung out with the resurrected Christ. But James was there when they were changing diapers. But he's never called an apostle. Okay? Okay, now let me show you something. If you go to 1 Peter, what does Peter call himself in that writing? A fellow elder. Okay? Now I showed you in 1 John chapter 1, the first four verses, what the mandate was. But if you go to 2 John and 3 John, you know who, how John refers to himself? As an elder. Heard a guy argue, well, John was getting old then, he called himself an elder. And I was like, yeah, that's why he used the word presbyteros. So you see what happened? We've laid the foundation. Now the church is growing. We've gotten some walls up. Maybe got the second floor laid out. You know, we got, you know, some windows in. We got some nice things going on with the building of the church. And guess what? The apostles' work is done. Now we are training up elders. Elders. As the church grew, it started getting off its foundation. And now it's standing on the cornerstone that is Jesus Christ and the foundational doctrine of the apostles. The apostles faded away. 
The apostles were the foundation. They had the foundational doctrine. They gave us what you and I have today, the New Testament, except for two books. Luke and Acts. Everything else was written by apostles. Okay? Luke was never called an apostle. But you got to look at the crowd he hung around with. Right? I mean, best I can tell, God ordained Luke to be a historian. <laughs> I mean, you know, they said he was a doctor, but I think that he was actually a closet historian. Okay, now I want to show you something really quick. This stands out to me greatly to Castle Rock Baptist Church. Um, I am in that contemplative mode. You've got to bear with me. Uh, next Sunday, I will celebrate another anniversary. Uh, and I'm sitting there going, you guys have got some serious perseverance. <laughs> I just got to tell you. But I, I was thinking back on the things that I have shared in this congregation. Okay, the, the books that I have, you know, that I've gone through and, and have taught. Now, you, you may or may not have been here. You may not even been a part of this congregation. But when I think back at what we've been through, uh, it's it's kind of astonishing. I'm sitting there going, wow, man. <laughs> well, that's Because most people will come on Sunday and they'll say, well, guy, it takes me like 12 years to go through a three-chapter book. Well... I've been through a few more than that. I know that I've been through Daniel, the first three chapters of Genesis, Revelation, First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, uh, Romans a whole bunch of times, uh, Matthew, First Peter, Second Peter, Jude, Philemon, a few other odds and ends. Okay, and I know I've left out some. Did I say Daniel? Because I did that Daniel, Jude, I did Jude. So I've been through. A handful of books. All right? Let me share with you something that is coming. It comes out of the letter to the Hebrews in chapter 5. Beginning in verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only in milk is not accustomed to word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Chapter 6, therefore, leaving the elementary teachings about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instructions about washings and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. You know what he just said there, the writer of Hebrews? You guys know this stuff? But don't act like it. What I've given you on the foundational teaching of the doctrine of the apostles. And the apostles have faded away. We have now new leadership and it would be elders. 
And yet, it is easy to revert back to the elementary principles. Resurrection, repentance from dead works and faith towards God and washing, laying on our hand, the resurrection of dead, eternal judgment. Think about that for a second. The writer of Hebrews says that's elementary principles. That's for infants. You need to be moving past that. And you sit there and go, from the resurrection of the dead? There's more. There is more. See, we should be building on the foundation that the apostles have laid. And we should be listening to what the elders are instructing. As that began to replace the apostles, the apostles themselves began to call themselves elders. Elders. See, they called themselves in those terms. I find it fascinating, especially that Peter and John did it. Because they've got clout. Okay? I mean, Peter says, hey, I got out of the boat. And John can look up and says, he told me to take care of his mom. Okay? That's credentials. I don't care here. I'm listening. I'm listening, dude. And they had understood that once they had the foundation laid, that they were elders. They called themselves that so that the people would understand at a point they were very unique. And as the church grew, they were elders. There were only 13 with a capital A. Only 13. There's two more in Castle Rock right now. They think they're capital A. Okay, now, I want to give you a little clinger here. You're going to need to know this because it's growing here in this town. Okay? Barnabas, the encourager, was called an apostle. Wow. 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 Guess what? Titus was called an apostle. Let me show you something. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 23. Now I'm reading out of the... uh, it's a New American Standard, but I thought it was the revised. Yeah, I guess not. Out of New American Standard. I want to show you something kind of fascinating. Chapter 8, 2 Corinthians, verse 23, says this. As for Titus, okay, he is my partner and fellow worker among you. As for our brethren... They are messengers of the churches. Okay? You know what the word messengers there is in the original language? Apostolon. You know what that means? Apostle. Fellow workers 
and Titus. Okay? So, the apostles of Christ. Got it? How many? The apostles of the churches. How many? Well, I'll give you something to think about. When this church sent me to Central Asia, what was that I was doing? I was a messenger of the apostles' doctrine sent by the church. Okay, I know. You did the same thing I did. I thought the apostles were all taller. Okay? So you can have many messengers sent from the church. I think about Nicholas Piotrowski. I think (laughs) Matt. I wouldn't tell Matt that. It would scare him. Uh, There are a number of people that we have sent out from this congregation all over the place. Some of them, you know, job moved them or whatever, but they took the message that they'd gotten from Castle Rock Baptist Church. You know, I think about Brian. He's up in, well, poor guy, in the Northwest. And up there, he's listening to our messages through Ephesians, and he's sharing it. That's amazing to me. But they're still sent out messengers. See, it's one thing to be commissioned by the risen Christ. It's quite another to be sent out by the churches. Right? Okay, I'm going to ask you. Do you see the difference? I can honestly, with all of my heart with all confidence that I have in my body, tell you honestly, without reserve, without concern, I've not seen the resurrected Christ. I know that's a letdown, but I haven't seen him. Uh, Because I think if I had seen him, you guys, (laughs) we'd all be in trouble. (laughs) Okay? But when you go back to that word in verse 5 of chapter 3 of Ephesians, now, and you understand that it's aorist, it means right here, now. And it's sealed. These original 13 were given a unique revealing of the word of God and the plan of this mystery. And they put it down in yours and my New Testament. They are the ones who expanded God's revealing work on the age that you're in. Remember I shared with you last week, Charles Spurgeon was explaining the Old Testament is like the most eloquent mansion ever created in detail and artistry. The New Testament turns the lights on. So you see the detail. Alright? The apostles flipped the switch. The mystery of the kingdom. This new mystery. Never before seen. Never seen in any age except in the New Testament age. It was revealed by the resurrected Christ. To the holy apostles. Holy. Set apart. Set apart. 
God set those 13 apart for a task. And if you think about it, kind of important. Kind of important. It is what you and I stand on this very day in the body of Jesus Christ. That's how important it was. The set-apart apostles. They were unique. And they were separate. But you can see through the New Testament that as the foundation was laid, as you see the church grow up through Asia Minor, of the underbelly of Europe, down the uh, Italian peninsula, down the Greek peninsula, when you see it moving around like that, once that started happening, those guys still alive... Still hanging out. But they started calling themselves what? Elders. Why? Because we're working off of the foundation. The foundation is alone. All right? He also says, and the prophets. Okay? It's fascinating. There's a huge contrast between the apostles and the prophets. Amazing. But I'll deal with that next week. Because regardless... They are both in the Spirit. Right? That's what it's all about. That's what you and I deal with now. You are part of the building of the body of Jesus Christ that was on a foundation laid by the original 13 apostles. And out of that building, the church has sent many messengers all over the place. It's funny because uh, our convention always has a yearly thing and I always get notified of who am I going to send as messengers. So I thought I'd find these two guys I ran into this week and tell these apostles to go. (laughs) Just kidding. Next week we'll look at the prophets because we have to see knowing the prisoner. Okay, that's how important this mystery revealed is. Now we're looking at the plan. Okay? To be specific, he defines what the mystery is in verse 6. But we have to understand that God had unique individuals to bring it to us today. That's why when I travel around, I'm amazed at how enthralled the people are with the body of Christ. And you come back to the United States and it's just something that we kind of add to life. Right? And yet, we're standing on a foundation that was direct revelation from the resurrected Jesus Christ. It's kind of cool if you think about it. Let's pray. Father, we come before you uh, thinking that uh, this called together group is part of a massive plan that is being revealed before our very eyes. Father, that each of us in our lives is preaching this mystery revealed. Each of us in our lives is showing the lost world the purpose of this mystery. And Father, I pray that each of us, with every breath, will understand the privilege of this mystery. Father, if the Apostle Paul was willing to go to jail for this mystery... If Jesus prayed for the revealing of this mystery, and in chapter 1, God planned this mystery, Father, may it be our passion. Father, we love you.
Father, we praise you for what you have done. We praise you for what you shall accomplish. And Father, we praise you for the privilege of being part of the body of Christ. To you, my King, in Christ's name, amen.